we're stepping into our, our Miracle Offering Sunday. We do it every single year. And, and listen, if you're new here or you're visiting for the first time, you're like, great. I walked into the church wanting to experience it, and they're going to talk about money today. So yes, we are going to talk about money today. We're going to talk about our Miracle Offering, but, but our focus is still going to be Jesus. In our last day series, you heard me say for 12 weeks, keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is always Jesus, regardless of what we're talking about. Now, this is what's crazy to me. There's over 2,300 verses on money, wealth, or possessions in the Bible. I don't know if you knew this or not, but Jesus spoke about money roughly 15% of his ministry. In fact, 11 of the 39 parables that Jesus presented revolved around money. Listen, Jesus spoke about money often, not because he was obsessed with money. On the contrary, he was obsessed with people. But he wants people to use money as a tool to reach what? Other people. So here's the elephant in the room. I'm going to get it out of the way. I'm going to rip the band-aid off, get it out of the way. The elephant in the room is this. We want to raise $200,000 today. Today. I'm going to talk through that a little bit. We took an offering first service. I, I can't wait to see what happens second service. But at the end of our service, the call to action is going to be this. Everybody got that little card in their chair? I told you last week, I'll tell you this week, this isn't for your neighbor. <laughs> All right, this is for you. But, but this is what I want you to do throughout the service. Allow God to speak to your heart. What is he asking you to give? At the end of the service, we're going to ask everyone to participate, to fill out this card and, and to bring it up and, and drop it in the buckets at the front. Now, now hear me, if you call Multiply Church home, man, this is absolutely for you. Don't, don't be a consumer. Don't just come to church and consume and consume and consume. How can you play a part and participate? If you're visiting, hey, hang out with us today. If God moves in your heart, fantastic. But let me tell you what happened last week. So last week we had two families that were visiting from out of town and uh, they came up to me after service and because we mentioned the miracle offering last week and, and kind of gave out the cards. And uh, long story short, two families that visited from out of town last week gave in our miracle offering because they said, hey, I just believe in the vision and the direction that your church is going. And that's just a testament of, to, of what God, yeah, you can clap for that, of what God is up to. I talked to Pastor Keith uh, earlier this week, and, and we talked about this, that sometimes the global church gets this bad rap when they start to talk about money because we don't do it in a healthy, in a healthy way. And we had, uh, again, those families visit. It was awesome that they gave. But, but Jesus spoke about money, but his focus was always people. What we see in, in, uh, in Paul's writings in the book of Romans is this. Paul helped to plant 12 different churches. He wrote 13 books of the Bible, but he was also known for something else. Anyone want to take a guess at it? He was known for killing Christians. If we take a look at Acts chapter 8, Paul approved of the stoning of Stephen. But he was the person that had a radical encounter with God, and then he wanted to tell everyone about that radical encounter. He wanted to tell everyone about this life-changing grace that he experienced. Today we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 and Romans chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn over to them. But we're going to start in Romans chapter 16. Let me ask this question. Do you ever read Scripture... And you start fumbling over the names in the passages. All right, I heard a couple of chuckles. Don't act like you're holier than thou. If you say, no, I can pronounce every name. The only person that could probably do that in this entire room, and he's not in here right now, is Brian King. All right, you already knew. You already knew. 
But, but I do it sometimes, like I'm reading scripture and I start fumbling over the names and then I have to reread their names. And, and to be honest with you, I start focusing on the name opposed to what's going on. I start to focus on the name opposed to the lesson that, that is being displayed. That's what happened to me in Romans chapter 16, but I have to backtrack a bit. So historically, the same guy, Paul, who was killing Christians, starts planting churches and spreading the gospel message through missionary journeys and writing letters. So Paul writes this letter to the church in Rome, and if we read in Romans chapter 15, verse 22 through 33, we see a a few different tendencies come out. As Paul's writing, he says, hey, listen, in verse 23, he says, I want to come visit you. I I can't right now, but I want to come visit you. But I need to tell you this. Thank you for supporting me on my journey. How did they support him? They supported him through prayers and financially. But, But then we get to Romans chapter 16, and Paul starts to do something a little unique. He starts to recognize individuals by name. There's 29 names that Paul mentions, and to be honest with you, I can only pronounce about six of them. So instead of reading everyone's name, I thought we would do something a little different today because what I've noticed in our culture and in our society is people are becoming more and more nameless and faceless. You've experienced this. I'll, I'll prove it to you. How many of you often say, man, I don't know that person's name, but if I saw their face, I would recognize them. I've done it myself, but here's the the deal. It's important to call individuals by name. It means something. It holds weight. I could say, hey, you, can you come over here? Or I could say, hey, Stacy. Hey, Stacy, could you? Now, I don't want you to really come over here, but yeah, you're good. But but I could walk over, I could do something weird, and I could walk over to you, and I could go, hey, I know your sister, she's here today. Um, Or I could go, hey, we just met, I don't remember your name. Or I could say, hey, could you remind me of your name again? Dan. Dan, Dan, so nice to meet you, right? And so it just means more when you know someone by name. And what Paul starts to do in Romans chapter 16 is is he says, hey, I want to call some individuals out by name. Why? Because each name has a story. Each name is following Jesus Each name has written the highs and the lows of life, but but trying to pronounce the names and stumbling through these when I read through Scripture, their stories almost get lost. Who, Who they are almost gets lost. The fact that they're real people following a real Jesus is almost missed. So I thought what I would do today, all right, don't call me a heretic, but what I thought I would do today is replace some of the names in Scripture with some of the names of people in the church. Again, I put those names in there. If you want to see the real names, go back and read uh, Romans chapter 16. But let me read this to you. Romans chapter 16, starting in verse 1. Again, I've taken some creative liberty. I commend to you our sister Candy, a deacon of the church in Lake Norman. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her help or to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a benefactor of you, of many people, including me. Greet Kay Hudson and Toby Hudson, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. They did not, all right? Again, I'm taking some creative liberty. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful for them. Greet also the church that meets in their house. Greet my dear friend, Haven Brock, who was the first convert of Christ in the province of Asia. By the way, Haven got baptized last weekend. Greet, uh, y'all can make noise for that. Uh, Greet Mary Pinion. Well, really now Mary Eason because she got married, who worked very hard for you. Greet Brian King and Jean King, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Corey and Kelly, 
my dear friends in the Lord, greet Anwar Perez, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Angie Perez. Greet Rich and Mary Rose Rafferty, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Chaz and Jana Hale. Greet Ed and Claire, my fellow Jews. Greet those in the household of Stephen and Lisa Jackson, who are in the Lord. Greet Ann Little and Jessica Clark, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Bree Rafferty, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Anna Brock and Zach Brock, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet KK and Luke and James and Emma Grace and Brownie and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Josh, Marina, Ashley, Brooke, Robbie, and his sister Michelle, and Jake, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. Verse 17, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause division and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Keith, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Brittany, Manny, and Megan, my fellow Jews. Uh, do, do you notice how personal that gets when you start to replace some of the names? Now, I'm not saying replace your name with Jesus in the Bible, okay? Like, don't do that. But you see how personal it begins when you start to replace some of the names, and it, it becomes very real. Two things that happened to me when I was kind of putting people's names in is this. One, I wanted to put more names in the verses. Now, hear me. If I didn't put your name in there, don't be mad. You can replace any of those names with your names. I'm just trying to kind of give you an illustration. But the second thing that happened to me is this. I just became emotional. I became emotional. Why? Because every single name that I mentioned has a story. Every single name that I mentioned is on a journey. Every single name represents someone who is following Jesus. Every single name represents someone who calls Multiply Church home. Each name represents someone who is positively impacting the kingdom of God. So where do you and I learn how to serve the Lord and the church in a unified way? Because that's what I notice in, in Romans chapter 16. All these people were living in unison together. Well, where did they learn how to do that? We have to go back to Romans chapter 12. So for most of us, we know Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We read that verse, or those two verses, and that's almost easy. Why? Because it's individualistic. It has to do with me. As long as I have to worry about myself, I'm good to go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer what your bodies as a living sacrifice. Okay, Zach, you can offer your body. Zach, you can transform your mind. I don't have to deal with anybody else if I offer myself and transform my mind. But then we step into verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all 
the others. In those few words, we belong to one another. Those words are so deep and and so rich, and, and that's why when we say we celebrate, we celebrate together. When we mourn, we mourn together. Why? Because we're all one body. But that's also why when there's gossip, it hurts and divides. When there's slander, it cuts deep. When there's discord, it hurts the heart of God. And Paul recognizes that the church is made up of people and those people have different functions within the body itself. Keep reading in verse 6. We have different gifts. According to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Hey, if it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Again, Paul starts talking to the individual. Now, here's the meat of it, verse 9 through 13. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. And practice hospitality. And that list is hard for me. Why? Because it involves people. Again, Romans 12, 1 and 2, very simple. It's all about me. I've got to change my life. But as we keep changing, as we keep maturing, what does it involve? It involves working with people. I want to break down this list this morning. The first one is this, love must be sincere. Go ahead and pick your toes up. I'm going to step on them this morning, but I promise you I'll eventually get to you, okay? But love must be sincere. I refuse to let us be a fake church. We're going to deal with things directly. What, What does that mean? Listen, Matthew chapter 18 verse 15 says what? If you have a problem with your brother and sister, then go to them directly, don't, don't go talk to other people about the problems that you have with individuals in the church. Go to them directly. By the way, venting is not biblical. Venting is gossip. You, you can't walk up and say, hey, I just need to vent for a second, and then begin to throw someone under the bus. That's called gossip. What does Jesus say about gossip? Don't do it. Again, if you have a problem, go with someone directly. Love must be sincere. I'm not going to love you to your face and then talk about you behind your back. I'm not going to do it. We as a body are not going to do it. We're going to love directly. Love has to be sincere. And then Paul goes on to write, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. So what are we going to cling to? We're going to cling to biblical teaching. We're going to preach the fullness of the Bible and preach everything in it. We're going to cling to what is good, nothing more and nothing less. We're going to be devoted to one another in love. All right, this is a a trick question. Has anyone seen the movie The Town? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Tammy's like, I have. Anybody else? There's a few people going, yeah, but I'm not raising my hand. But there's a scene in the movie, and I've shared this uh, before, but there's a scene in the movie where Ben Affleck comes into the room, he looks at his buddy, and he says, hey, I need you to come with me right now, and and not so many words. He says, I need you to come with me right now, and his buddy kind of looks up at him and goes, all right, whose car are we taking? And they go take care of business. 
Man, I want to be that type of church. When you get a bad doctor's report and you need someone to show up at your house, I want to say, okay, hey, whose car are we taking? When your marriage is falling apart and you need help, I want to say, okay, whose car are we taking? When you want to pray for your kids and you want somebody to come over to your house and, and just pray, hey, whose car are we taking? When life seems like it's in disarray and you just need help, okay, whose car are we taking? I need that type of people in the church. We want to be that type of church with one another. Okay, whose car are we taking? I, I wasn't going to share this, but I'll share it anyway. I watched a, a, a friend of mine sent me a video um, <laughs> this past week. And I'm not going to tell you who the friend is because then you'll judge them. So I'll let you judge me instead. So they sent me this video. And uh, it was a video of a dad like being interviewed. And the, um, the interviewer said, hey, what's the hardest part about... Uh, having daughters and them dating and the dad said oh hiding the bodies <laughs> and, then, and then the dad goes nah it's not that hard to hide bodies <laughs> so if I ever call anyone in the room and say hey somebody's messing with my daughter I want you to respond whose car are we taking but but that's that's the type of church that I want to be like all jokes aside when, when life hits you in the face whose car are we taking and then Paul starts to write he says hey honor one another Honor one another. Uh, Brittany, we, we would not be the church that we are. I know we pulled you up on stage a couple weeks ago, and I talked to your jacket during first service because you were with the kids, and you were getting the candy set up. But we would not be who we are as a church without you serving the past three years. I'm not doing this as a show or for some antics, but the Bible says to honor. So again, we want to honor you. And we want to say thank you for the past three years just in the way that you've poured into the youth. We want to honor you and say thank you for the past three years. And even though you're not going to be full-time staff, we still consider you part of the family. You still have made a lasting impact on this church. We believe in honoring individuals. But that's also why we pulled up Ashley and Manny because we want to honor. We want to honor as people go. We want to honor as people come. By the way, they're not changing positions, all right? Let me just get that out there. But different roles. But we want to honor because the Bible says to honor one another. Hey, we also want to honor all of our multipliers. What does that look like? We're having that party December the 11th. Sign up for it. Like, we can't honor you if you don't sign up for it. So sign up for it. Come hang out. It's free food and free comedy, all right? We're going to have a good time. But we also honor Liberty Prep in the way that they allow us to have church here. We wouldn't be able to do what we do without them allowing us to come into their facility. So we want to we honor them. And Paul keeps writing, and what does he say? He says, never lack zeal and keep your spiritual fervor in the Lord. Listen, y'all want to know why I'm passionate? It's because I don't want to lack zeal. Paul clearly says, don't lack zeal to keep your spiritual fervor in the Lord. That's why we have, you know, that catchy, uh, that catchphrase of be about it. I see it on a couple sweatshirts this morning. Because we truly want to be about spreading the gospel message. We, we want to not lack zeal. I refuse to lack zeal, and I refuse to lead a church that lacks zeal. We're not going to be a soft church. I'm going to make definitive statements like that. Why? Because Christ hasn't called us to be passive. He's called us to be active. We will not be a soft church. You got to have some dog in you. The coach was in here earlier, so it was easy to talk to him. He had to take off because Davidson College made the playoffs. They won their conference last night. Let's make some noise for them. But I, I said, coach, I said, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like a D-O-G. Like I'm talking about that D-A-W-G. Some of you in the room, you're lost right now. You have no idea what I'm talking about. 
Others of you, Bryce, you know what I'm talking about. You got to have that dog in you. And for those of you who don't know, let me explain it by a video. I'll just talk about the running backs. We got Aiden Dennis, dog. Dodie Devon, dog. Uh, Sir Hale, dog. He scored five touchdowns against Southside. RJ Hogue, dog. Sam Kale, I didn't even know he played running back, but he's a dog. Evan Linker, man. I didn't, he's a linebacker in my eyes, but I guess he can run the ball. Dog. Uh, and then Quentin Roach, he plays baseball, but he gets after it. He, all SAC first team baseball player right there, and now he's out here playing football. You know, how about that? Uh, he's a dog. Quentin <laughs> Roach is a dog. Absolutely. So I want you to notice two things. One, notice when like the reporter said dog, he was like, dog? And then this guy, he's like, dog. Like, he was a dog. Like, I, I want to be able to look at people in this church knowing that you've got some dog in you, that you've got some fight in you, that you don't lack zeal. Matt, I want to be able to look at you and go, hey, I know you got some dog in you. I know you're willing to fight for the kingdom. Bryce, I want to be able to look at you and go, hey, I know you got some dog in you. Jay, I want to be able to look at you and go, hey, I know you got some dog in you. Sam, you got some dog in you. I want to be able to look at people that I'm doing life with and go, hey, keep the dog in you. Stay in the fight. Never lack zeal. Be passionate about explaining the message of Jesus. I'll be honest with you. You're going to get the same Zach Witt on stage as you get at the gym. I mean, I was screaming at the football game yesterday. I'm not going to change the way that I am. I'm not going to lack zeal in one area and have zeal in another. We want to get very passionate about certain things in life, but then we're passive about Jesus. Scripture says, Paul writes, never lack zeal. Never lack zeal. Be passionate about serving God. We, we believe that we have the best story ever told across humanity. We believe that Jesus came to seek and to save. Many of you in the room, he saved your soul. And you recognize that. Yet you've never shared that story. Why? This isn't to condemn you. This is to challenge you. Why? If God truly saved you, if your life was truly altered and changed, then share the story. Never lack zeal but then Paul goes on to write he says hey be joyful in hope joyful in hope I don't know if you know this or not but hope is contagious Ho hope is absolutely contagious you know what else is contagious fear you get to choose what you want to put on the table what are you going to allow to be contagious in your life is it going to be fear or is it going to be hope is it going to be culture and society or is it going to be Jesus you get to determine what you're going to be contagious with. Billy Graham said this. He said, for the believer, there is hope beyond the grave because Jesus Christ has opened the door to heaven for us by his death and his resurrection. Church, I get it. Life is hard, but there's hope in Jesus. There's true pain all around us, but there's hope in Jesus. I don't fully understand this journey that I'm on sometimes, but I know this, there's hope in Jesus. Hope is contagious. And I think when Paul's writing this and he's, he's laying out this list, he wants us to be able to grab onto it, to apply it to our life. So there's hope. And then he writes this, this is the hard one. Be patient in affliction. Hey, newsflash, you're going to get hurt. Let me, speak, let me speak to something in the room real quick because I, I've heard this for, for years. Um, 
But we have, we as in humanity, not necessarily someone in the room, but we have this tendency to say, well, the church hurt me, that's why I'm not going to go back. Or the church hurt me, that's why I'm not going to serve. Or the church did this and that. Hey, can you get that nonsense out of your head? The church didn't do anything to you. People in the church did. People in the church did. The church itself never hurt you. People did. Here's what we know. You've heard the phrase, hurting people hurt people. Guess what? We're all broken. We're all hurting. We all jab at each other. Even when we don't mean to. Even when we don't mean to. But Paul says this. He goes, hey, he didn't write, get even. He didn't write when someone hurts you, then hurt them back. He didn't write when when someone does wrong to you, you do wrong to them back. When they're talking bad about you, you talk bad about them. No, no, no. What does he say? He says, be patient in affliction. Patient in affliction. But then right after that, he writes this, be faithful in prayer. Some of us can't be faithful in affliction because we're not patient in prayer. Some of us, sorry, some of us can't be patient in affliction because we're not faithful in prayer. I guess you could interchange those words. It works too. But what, what would it look like for you to be faithful in prayer? How would that absolutely change your life? Before our first service, every single Sunday, we have a group that gets in here, the people that serve, and we do our prayer rally. We pray for every single service. One of our, our staff kind of tendencies is this. We say this all the time. We pray first. We want to be a church that prays first. By the way, if you ever bring me a, a problem in your life, I'm going to say, hey, let's pray about it. And then I'm going to say, hey, what does Jesus say about it? If you want Zach's opinion, don't bring me your problems because I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm going to give you what the Bible says. I'm going to say, hey, what what does the Bible say? If you have a problem with a person, I'm not going to say, hey, let me talk about that person with you. I'm going to say, hey, you should probably go to that person directly. Be faithful in prayer. And then, then Paul writes, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. What I know about this church is, man, we rally. If there's someone in need, we absolutely rally. Someone that doesn't get enough praise and enough honor and enough shout outs is is Jim Moorhead. And what I've recognized about Jim is this. If there's a need that he can meet, he doesn't start asking questions. He just goes and meets the need. What if we were that type of church that we shared with the Lord's people who were in need? And the last one is this, practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. Many of us over the next couple weeks, man, we're going to be opening up our homes. We're going to go to someone else's house for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, for Friendsgiving, all, all all the excuses to get together and gather. Paul writes, he says, hey, practice hospitality. Bring people around the table. Hang out with them. I don't know about you guys, but I I love Thanksgiving. I'm especially going to love Thanksgiving this year. We have 21 people uh, coming in from out of state. We're all going to be hanging out together, family and and friends. This is what I love the most about it. Um, It's at Keith and Malia's house this year, not at my house. So, babe, our house is going to stay clean. And we're going to have little kids running around their house. But I, but I can almost close my eyes and I can almost hear it now. I can, I can hear the kids running through. 
downstairs. I can hear their feet going up and down the steps. I can almost hear, hey, mom, he hit me. But I can also see us sitting around the table, eating food, hanging out, sharing stories, practicing hospitality. It's biblical. Paul says, hey, pra- practice hospitality. I can go through this list and we can we could dive deeper into it, but this, this is what I recognize. You can't go through this list without involving people. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, very simple. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Worship. It's easy. I'm going to offer myself. I don't have to worry about any, anybody else. And then transform your mind again, individually. I don't have to worry about anybody else. But you keep reading and you have to, you have to include people. You have to include people. So again, again, the elephant in the room. We want to raise $200,000 today. Not next year, not in March, not in May. We want to raise $200,000 today. Let me backtrack a bit. We signed a three-year contract with Liberty Prep. And in order to do that, we had to pay them $200,000. Now, to be honest with you, we had about $50,000 in the bank. So we stroke that check. And then we're a part of a network of churches. So multiply family of churches. There's seven different locations within our network. We borrowed the rest of the money from our network. And we want to pay that back by the end of the year. How many of you recognize and know you can do more in your life when you're debt free? You're like... Yeah, if I get rid of my mortgage, then maybe I can. But you can do more in your life when you're debt-free. But none of this has to do with money. It always has to do with people. Stepping into 2023, I made this list. Stepping into 2023, man, I want to see another 100 salvations through Multiply Lake Norman. Stepping into 2023, I want to see another 100 baptisms. Why? Because these are very real people. What I know is this, there's more Havens out there. There's more Kelbys out there. There's more Kinseys out there. There's more Elijahs. There's more Whitleys. There's more Paytons. There's more Noahs. There's more Camerons. There's more Mollies. There's more Blakes. There's more Chrises. There's more Darrens. There's more Chelseas. The list goes on and on and on. There's more people to reach. That's why I have some tenacity. That's why I fight for the kingdom. That's why I want you and I to have this dog in us to where we're saying, hey, we're not going to back down. We're going to stay in the fight. We're going to keep moving forward. It's because people are going to live with Jesus for eternity in heaven. It has nothing to do about money. It has everything to do about reaching more people. I want to give you some, a little bit of vision of where we're going for, for 2023. Some things that we've noticed, some things that we've experienced Again, what we've realized is this. For those of you who are just visiting or you haven't been coming that long, we moved to this location at the end of last July. Beginning of last July. Beginning, end of June, beginning of last July. When we moved over here, we had 105 people that came with us. Now we're averaging about 290-something people per week. Man, God, God has been absolutely faithful. But we recognize that we have to build an infrastructure in order to be able to support the growth. Again, if 50 new volunteers came to the table right now, I don't know if we would know where to put them all. That's Manny's job, to figure out how to lay this foundation so that we can continue to build up. 
But this is also what we realize and recognize. In 2023, we absolutely want to hire a full-time kids pastor. In 2023, we want to hire a full-time youth pastor. Listen, I refuse to just put anyone over our kids and youth. They have to be the right person. They have to be spiritually mature. They have to be absolutely in love with Jesus. And they have to be able to lead our youth and our adult teams. Listen, in 2023, we're planning to do more local outreach and through organizations like Samaritan's Feet. We're planning to do more international missions in Nicaragua and throughout Africa. But it's always about reaching people. Listen, I can't express this enough that our, our team is working as hard as we can behind the scenes. We, we recognize the growth. We see it. We see the areas that we need to address in the church, and that's what we're planning on doing in 2023. But it starts right here, and it starts right now. Why? Because if we can become debt-free, the more we can do. So I'll put it to you this way. If you want to see the kingdom expanded, then participate. If you want to see more people reached, then participate. If you want to see kids grow in our kids' ministry, then participate. If you want to leave a legacy through Multiply Lake Norman, then participate. If you want our church to continue to have an impact in the Lake Norman area, then participate. I can stand up here with confidence and say our entire staff has already participated. We're not asking you to do something that we haven't already done. So there's two ways. I'm going to get very practical. There's two ways that you can give. And the first one is you can scan the QR code on the screen. That'll give you some options to give. But again, we want to raise $200,000 today. You can also give by cash or check. Regardless of how you give, we're going to ask everyone to fill out the gifts, to fill out the card. And our response is going to be this. Once you fill it out, tell us where you gave, tell us the amount. We're going to challenge you to come up and drop it in the bucket. Again, we're not asking you to do something that we haven't already done. So our team, they're going to step back into worship. This is what I would challenge you to do. For the first 60 seconds or so, while they're leading us in worship, I'm going to ask you to pray for a number and ask God to give it to you. This is what happened during first service. I just got this story. I won't tell you who. But there was a couple in first service and... uh, the husband walked in and he said, man, as soon as I walked in the door, before the service even started, I got a number. And he was like, nope, not happening. (laughs) Too big for me. And then his wife said that they started praying in this moment. She looked over at him and said, hey, did you get a number? And he said, yeah, but I don't want to say it out loud. You go first. Their number matched. So why do we want you to pray? Because I don't want you just to write something down. I truly want you to listen to the voice of God for your family in this moment. But this is what I would ask, is that we would all participate. Man, let's pray and ask God what he's challenging us to give. Hey, thanks for joining us today at Multiply Church. We can't wait to see you again next week, either in person or online, as we continue to love Jesus and change the world.